Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Author David Baldacci just published his new book, The Edge, the second installment of his 620 Man series. I caught up with him to hear about his new book, as well as his journey from growing up in Virginia to becoming an international best-selling author. Hello. Hey, David Baldacci. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP again. Absolutely. Good to be back. Thank you. I think this is probably like the third time we've talked, I think. Um, you keep coming back. Well, obviously, because WTOP is pretty much your hometown radio station, right? It absolutely is, yes. <laughs> uh, do you know? So uh, you've probably heard the phrase glass and closed nerve center a few times. I, oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we dive into the new book, remind our listeners why that is. You know, you remind them your Virginia roots. I mean, you've been here your whole life. Yeah, so I was born in Richmond. I moved up to DC, the D.C. area in the mid-80s to practice law. And I've lived up here ever since and definitely have listened to WTP for decades. Yeah, yeah. Raised in Richmond. You went to VCU and to UVA Law School up to DC, like you said, for law and never looked back. You've always you so so we love celebrating your your stuff, but obviously you're a number one best-selling internationally acclaimed author. But I love setting the 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 roots here for the hometown hero stuff. Um, well, cool, cool. Well, let's tell everybody the reason we're talking. Uh, we're talking about your new book, The Edge. Uh, it just came out, I think. Uh, it's the second book in your 620 Man series, uh, which I think the first one came out last year, I think. So what what was it about the character Travis that made you want to revisit him? Yeah, so Travis Devine is, he's an unusual character, a former army ranger um, who left the army under a cloud and felt a lot of guilt for what happened there. He loved the army, wanted to spend his entire career there, but something really bad happened. And so he got his MBA and started working on Wall Street in New York uh, as penance because that he hated that life. It's the exact opposite of how he wanted to spend his life. It's almost like he's put himself in prison. And he got involved in a murder mystery in New York. A co-worker of his was killed. And he got an offer from a guy who was a retired two-star who runs a little clandestine agency at, in, at DHS. And he says, I know what you did in the Army, so I'll give you a choice. You can either go to Leavenworth and spend the rest of your life in the stockade there. Or you can come and work for me. So Divine decides to go work with him. So he solves the mystery that he's confronted with in the 620 man. And that title comes from the train he would take in from Westchester County every morning into Wall Street. Uh, and that moniker sort of stuck. Now in the edge, he gets dropped into uh, coastal rural Maine. Um, a woman up there named Jenny Silkwell, who is from that town. Her father was a senator and also an army icon who now has Alzheimer's. She worked with the CIA and her body was found floating in the Atlantic Ocean off the main coast. Now, he has to go up there. Divine has to go up there and figure out, OK, was she killed because she worked for CIA and did someone torture her and get secrets from her that we have to be worried about? Or is it something to do with her hometown, her past and Putnam, Maine uh, that caused her death? So his job is to figure out, to interview everybody, work with the local police and figure out who killed Jenny Silkwell and why. 
Awesome. It sounds sounds gripping again as usual. So if if there's our listeners, let's let's sort of take it both both sides of the coin. If there's listeners that read, you know, the original 620 man uh installment, uh which what what elements of this will, you know, that will be familiar that they'll love or also on the other flip side if if people missed the first one is can they pick this up or do you recommend maybe maybe reading both in order? Yeah, my publisher would always say you have to read my entire body of work to really enjoy any of my books. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm not going to say that. I always, in the very beginning of a novel of a series, I'll give you like a, a couple of paragraphs, catch up, you know, cheat sheet about okay, here's who this person is and here's how he got here, so you can you can follow along even if you haven't read the Six Twenty Man. So you'll you'll see, you know, his his training as a combat veteran, an army ranger suits him really well up in Maine. He's going to need a lot of that skill set. But you'll also see sort of a softer side of Travis Devine in this book. One of the people he works with, Jenny Silkwell's younger sister, had a very traumatic event that happened to her years ago, and it has paralyzed her in her life. She can't really move forward or backward. She's tied to this town, even though she doesn't really want to be. And he really tries to help her because he feels empathy for her and he's trying to get her through a very difficult period of time. And what happened to her and what the Casey's investigating up there now sort of crossed, crossed, you know, the train lines at some point, too. So you'll see both the hard side and the soft side of Travis Devine in this novel. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, it's you you always keep them going. And and, and, and by the way, is it is it out now or, or is it coming out soon? No, it just came out Tuesday. So, yeah, it's, okay. it's out on the shelves. Okay, cool. Well, tell us why it's the a good holiday gift, or maybe if you're traveling for Christmas, why it's one of those good ones. Maybe pick up in the airport bookstore and read on the plane. I don't know. So sell it on why it's timely this time of year to to pick up. <laughs> it is well, you know, it's definitely about it's a it's a book about redemption, you know, which the holiday season often tends to be, and it's a book about family, which holidays are often to be, and it's about families that have suffered loss, which unfortunately every family's had to do that. But it's also a really fast read. It's very compulsive, and most people who read this book have read it in two nights. Um, and so if you're on a plane somewhere, that'd be great for you. It's also, I sold the series to Netflix, um, about six months ago. Uh, they're going to make it into a series of movies. They love Travis Devine. Um, they're just calling him like the American James Bond instead of a martini and a tux. He's got a Glock and a lunch pail. <laughs> so a Glock and a lunch pail. Yeah. So that's, um, that'll be fun to see him on the small screen on the streaming platform. And, but it's just a really compelling story. I think once you pick up the book and start reading the first page, you're not going to put it down. Well, congrats on selling it to Netflix. Uh, is there anything else in the work for maybe any of your other series? You, you've had famous characters with the Will Roby series. I think that's what we interviewed you for the first time we spoke. And then the second time we spoke, I think it was for the Amos Decker, the Memory Man series. So any any traction with Netflix uh, with them as well? Both. So I've sold, I've sold the Amos Decker series and I've sold um, the Atlee Pine series, my female FBI agent, both of those to Amazon Studios. They both have showrunners and writers attached. And now that the strikes are over, they're going full bore on all three series. So you're kind of, it, it's been kind of sidetracked by the strikes. Uh, so, but that you sold them before the strikes and, but now things are ramping back up. Now we can see all three of those series soon too. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's really excited about them. What about Will Roby? What are we going to do to sell him a show, man? You know what? I'm going to I'm going to keep hammering away at that. And I, <laughs> the, more, the more traction you get with other series, all of a sudden they start coming back, you know, more, sir, please, more. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for quoting Oliver there. Nice. That's hey, right. speaking of which, uh, I don't think we've ever talked about this in our previous interviews, but since you mentioned the Netflix and the Amazon series, what what current TV shows or past ones do, do, you, do you typically watch? So we're really, uh, we're catching up on um, Stranger Things. Um, I know everybody's seen it. But we're, we're just bearing down to the end of that. We finished Ted Lasso. 
We found a series on Netflix uh, called Lydia Poet, which is a woman set in the early 1900s in Italy, she wants to be a lawyer. She's a member of the bar. Unfortunately, Italy would not allow women to practice before the bar back then. It's incredibly well done. The, the actor who plays the lead role, Lydia Poet, is just amazing. It's set in Turin. I'm Italian-American, so I have you know definitely a connection to Italy, but it's really a, a terrific series. And um, I, you know, I don't binge a whole lot of television, but I like shows that really grab me like that and take me to a place I haven't been before. So uh, we're really into that one and I'm uh, looking forward to finishing up definitely Stranger Things. I love it. How about movies, either now or all, all timer? What's your what's your go to? You can give me a comedy or, or a drama. It don't matter. I always tell people if you want to see a great film and I encourage my kids to watch it, even though they don't really get into that stuff. It's Chinatown. Oh my one God. The, one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, one of the best screenplays ever written and one of the most, the best movies ever. And I said, plot's complicated. I said, I tell it, it's all about water and money. That's all you have to keep in mind. It's, and then the rest of it, just enjoy. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. It's the reason that Robert Town script is so good is it's like, it's the way it peels back the the layers and you almost you almost have to see know the ending i mean it's so tragic and horrific the ending the twist but um i tell people you almost have to watch it again knowing the ending to see how geniusly that that it's all set up you know all the little breadcrumbs it's it's amazing it um, it's a house of cards incredibly well built I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And and uh, and basically inspired the whole plot of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, except for it's the highway system, except for water and power. And people go do those parallels. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, uh, I guess what to round it out. How about music? What do you listen to? What are your tunes? Yeah, so I'm in in this book. You'll you'll find that Travis Sabine is a is a big fan of Janis Joplin, as am I. Okay. So um, when I was growing up, I, I think the first album. I'm I'm a lot older than you. My first album was Three Dog Night. And uh, but Janis nice. Joplin, um, The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, uh, you know, those are those are uh, songs, lyrics that really spoke to me. They all wrote, you know, most of their songs in the, in the 60s um, when we had this country was falling apart at the seams. The Vietnam War was going hot, hot and heavy. And those, those lyrics really spoke to me and uh, they were unique talents. And, you know, I, I enjoyed music. A lot, lots of different stuff. My kids are, are into all sorts of stuff that, you know, I have no idea about, but I do enjoy listening to music and, you know, it's part of my life too. Wow. Three Dog Night. David Baldacci was a bullfrog. That's right. How about that? <laughs> we, we, we all were back then. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? I love Three Dog Night. We've interviewed them too before. That, that, that stuff is timeless. Never been to Spain. All, that's, all that stuff's great. That's so great. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Uh, well, awesome. So, hey, well, uh, you mentioned listening to them growing up. How about, you know, uh, you know, r- literature wise, like what, what did you read growing up or, or even now? Like what, what, what other books really, really do it for you? So I, you know, growing up, I read lots of cool, I love Sherlock Holmes. I love Agatha Christie. I read bios. They are there, this uh, bio, biography series when I was a little kid. It wrote biographies of, of famous people, but only about their childhood. So the book ended when they actually got famous. So I would read about, you know, Thomas Edison and the Ringling Brothers and all these people who had really accomplished a lot in their lives. But I only read about them when they were kids, which really connected with me as a kid, because that's the age I was as well. So these days I read everything. Right now I'm reading um, A British Mystery by Anne Cleves. I'm reading uh, a book set in 1940, uh, The Easy Rawlings series um, by Walter Mosley. And I'm reading a book about oceanography called The Underworld by Susan Casey that talks about the fact that we know more about the planet Mars than we do about the Pacific Ocean. So, you know, books are great. They can take you everywhere. They really, really are. And I didn't I didn't know we would be sort of hitting your... TV and your movies and your music and in books. But while we're at it, let me round it out with, with sports, because I know I think in a previous interview, uh, I don't know if they were the commanders yet. Probably not. But the now commanders, the Washington football team, I guess we'll say um, last time you said it seemed that the memories of Joe Gibbs and the hogs. You didn't even think Amos Decker with his perfect memory could remember that far back. <laughs> but um, but now, hey, thankfully, now, since the last time we spoke, Dan Snyder is finally gone. I mean, not much different results yet, but I'm holding out hope for the future. What do you think? I am too. And I have to say that we've been looking for a franchise quarterback for forever. I think maybe we might have him. You think know, Sam Howell, you think? Yeah, he's looking great lately, last couple of weeks. Well, he's got poise in the pocket. He doesn't get rattled. He makes he extends plays. He makes something out of nothing. He's got a cannon for an arm. Yeah, he had some interceptions, but he, the guy's really his first full year being a starter. So cut him some slack. He's tough. Uh, you know, he can run the ball when he needs to. And he seems like a leader in the pocket. And those are things we haven't had for a hell of a long time. So I'll take it, man. I will take it. <laughs> uh, me too. I mean, yeah, like the last year or two, the, the Taylor Heineke was like a fun underdog rags of riches, Rocky story, but, but, but obviously not a long time answer. So the Sam Howe. Yeah. And the, I wasn't sure beginning of this year. Cause he, but I think mostly he was just getting destroyed. Our line was not protecting him at all. I thought he was going to get broken. Like, you know, no. what was it? Patrick Ramsey or something years ago, <laughs> but, Ooh, um, too. I, but you know what, you give the guy a little bit of time and he finds, yeah. finds the, the people open and, you know, he's got, I think he's leading the league right now in passing yardage and he's right up there with touchdown passes. So, hey. yeah, no, the last couple of weeks, he's really, really proved, proved himself. Uh, yeah. so hopefully, hopefully they, they found something, even if, you know, I, I, I'm, it'll probably be Rivera's and squads last year coaching. I would imagine the new owners would want Josh Harris and Magic Johnson, or we're going to probably want to blow the whole thing up and, and start over. At least, at least you can kind of read the tea leaves when they got rid of, uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I, I think they're just kind of, selling off and getting draft picks and that kind of thing but rebuilding time is always fun they're gonna be getting a new sheriff in town next year i think too absolutely absolutely well before i appreciate you you 
wide ranging. All this is the David Baldacci's all of his favorite things in pop culture interview, apparently. But but uh, let's talk about on a serious note, your wife and you founded, you know, it's a it's a the Wish You Well Foundation. Now, tell us about it. Yeah. So we fund literacy programs and initiatives across the country. We, this is our 23rd year. We've I don't know how many programs we've, we've funded over the years, 100,000. Um, and our goal is to eradicate illiteracy in the U.S. Reading will determine, you know, how well you're going to do economically and how well your family's going to do and whether you can realize your potential. And it's also tied to a lot of our social ills, you know, everything from poverty to hunger to homelessness to crime. Uh, you eradicate illiteracy, a lot of that goes completely away. So every dollar you put into literacy, you get $10,000 in return as a society. So it's a great investment. And we funded a, a huge number of programs during the pandemic because a lot of funding sources for these programs ended because a lot of corporations were like, oh my God, you know, our business is gone. So we're not going to give any money. Sorry. And we just finished another funding round for programs. I think we funded over a hundred programs and we're going to continue to do so because I know that if we can turn literacy around in this country, we're going to have a much better place for all of us to live. Awesome. Awesome. And then on a similar note, you also are doing, you're partnering with Feeding America too, right? The Feeding Body and Mind Initiative. What's that about? Yeah. So they have this huge network of food banks across the country. So when I go out on tour, I, I send these boxes and the boxes collect from my fans. They donate new and gently used books and we pay to have those boxes shipped uh, to food banks around the country. If you're food challenged, you're probably literacy challenged as well. So people get to take home not only food, from the food banks, but books that have been donated. So you fill up a house with books. I think good things will definitely happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of, you know, rooms filled with books, sort of as we wind down this interview, I'm, I'm curious when I, I was reading Stephen King's on writing a couple, I don't know, a year or two ago. And I remember him saying, you know, his setup and he has to have the, the his writing desk in a certain part of the room and a certain amount of quiet time or, you know, different authors do different things. Some authors don't eat any meals. They they force themselves to write a certain amount of pages for the eat or whatever. Like, I'm always curious, different authors approaches. But what, what about for you? Do you do you have to write in a certain room at a certain time or anything like that? I'm a plane, trains, and automobile kind of guy. The only perfect place for me to write is in my head. If I'm everything's set in my head, I can write anywhere. There's a little Greek deli, Plaka, near my office in Northern Virginia. And I go there a lot. I sit at the back table and I've written a lot of great stuff there. I go there so often, they have actually put a plaque on the wall that says David Baldacci's remote office. <laughs> <laughs> what what town in Virginia? It, in Vienna. In Vienna, Virginia. It's called Plaka. Plaka Grill. Yeah, it's right off on Lawyers Avenue, Lawyers Road. And people come by all the time to see if I'm going to be there. That's great. And now they have a placa of you on the wall. It sounds like <laughs> <laughs> they do. Oh, that's great. What do you what's your go to order there then? Is it a certain sandwich or something? I do. I, I love the chicken souvlaki dinner with rice and salad. But mm -hmm. I, I tell you that their fries um, are so addictive that they can be dangerous. So, you know, tread carefully, my friend. Nice. And I appreciate the planes, trains, automobile shout out. I mean, it's around Thanksgiving holiday time. So, you know what I mean? That's the great Steve Martin, John Candy. That's one of the great Thanksgiving travel movies ever. It is. Uh, absolutely is. I appreciate, well, I appreciate, I really, really appreciate you joining us. Final seconds, final question, I promise, because you've yep. been generous with your time. Um, You know, just big picturing it like your books have been published in over 45 languages and over 80 countries. I think you've sold over 150 million copies worldwide. Like how do you stay hungry and not complacent? Or do you ever feel like you're going to hang it up? You know, like how do you, how do you just keep the creative juices going? Even though, you know, you've basically been to the mountaintop multiple times and sold multiple shows to Netflix. I mean, it seems like you could just, you know, hang your hat on the career already, but you know, how do you keep the drive going? 
I remember the, the the guy who wrote the screenplay for Absolute Power, Bill Goldman, he won two Academy Awards. Um, and he gave me some good advice a long time ago. He said, you know, <clears throat> the first time you think you know what you're doing as a writer is when you've lost the edge that allows you to actually be a writer. And my greatest fear, he told me, is that someone's going to somebody's going to realize one day I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. So <laughs> I think that fear is a great antidote to complacency. So you sit down in front of this computer or a piece of paper and you think, I have no idea what I'm doing. I better focus and bring everything I have to this because people are going to find out I'm a total fraud. So that's what I do. <laughs> I re I really like how you mentioned William Goldman as Bill Goldman, who wrote Absolute Power, which is absolutely true. But we have to just we can't bury the lead. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Marathon Man, All the President's Men, um, Misery, The Princess Bride. Like, it's ridiculous, William. Thanks for William Goldman there. And we talked Robert Town, Chinatown. See now. See, if you can't tell, this is when I my coffee kicks in. And I get all like I get all juiced up talking these old movies. So thanks for those. I, I love it, man. I, I love talking about this stuff too and i'm glad you're into it as well because it's it rocks my world makes my world go around <laughs> do you have a favorite movie of all time or did I, already, I already asked you chinatown but it, yeah. how about a comedy china chinatown was up there so <clears throat> i would think um i'm a big cary grant fan oh yeah uh, and um he and uh Catherine hepburn were in a slapstick comedy in the 1940 called bringing a baby when it was the a baby the baby was a leopard yeah, wow. exactly. I can't give you anything but love, baby. <laughs> and I don't want to be that guy, but it was actually 1938 with bringing up yeah, baby Howard Hawks. 1940, <laughs> you're thinking Cary Grant. You're thinking His Girl Friday with Cary Grant and Howard Hawks. Yeah, Rosalind Russell. Rosalind Russell, also one of the great movies. Man, the, man, as a one-two punch. That well, damn. Now that I'm thinking about it, he did Philadelphia Story with Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart in 40 as well. So, man, talk about a three three all-time uh, rom-com screwballs and stuff all in a row. Man. Yeah, and have you ever have you ever watched 20th Century with Carol Lombard? And um, that that is probably the top screwball comedy of all time. Oh, 20, amazing! And Lombard, well, what else was uh, uh, to be or not to be or not to be was Lombard as well. Didn't she die early in like a plane crash? I believe. Mm -hmm. 1942, they crashed to a mountain in Nevada. Oh my gosh! But the stuff that she left behind with you know Jack Benny and the man, it's it's amazing. Man, I can I could talk all day with you about this. I I love it, but we won't keep we won't keep you. Um, but I appreciate I appreciate all the all the time, and I guess it's your third time calling in. Thanks for always coming back on TOP. Oh, I I enjoy it. you guys are awesome. Love you. Awesome. Right back at you again, everyone is David Baldacci. It is the edge. The second book in his six twenty man series. Pick it up uh, for the holidays as a gift for someone or, or for yourself. Hey, thanks for doing this. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. -bye. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating. If you like what you hear, we'll see you next time. 